How's everybody doing this morning? Today, if you didn't catch the, the message from, from Herb this morning, we're talking about joy, right? Joy, so we're all going to be happy and joyful, because those are the same things, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, um, excited to share with you, and um, turn your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to be um, this morning. We like to have a little fun, and, um, and, and uh, so I'm excited to, to share this message. Uh, so most people, as we talk about this, I did a little research on this, this this past week, and most people in America are familiar with this passage we're going to look at this morning, Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, even if they rarely crack open a Bible, because these verses from Luke have entered into very popular culture through a modern-day prophet, Linus, and his famous speech <laughs> in the Charlie Brown Christmas video. Every December... Um, since some, some of you may remember this, but I'll, although I, I don't think mo- many of us uh, <clears throat> will, um, but every December since 1965, that's a little over 50 years, in between televised scenes of the Grinch slithering around Whoville, George Bailey being saved by Clarence the Angel just as he's about to jump off the Bedford Falls Bridge, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer running around the North Pole with Herbie, an elf who wants to be a dentist, we have Linus who discovers the true meaning of Christmas in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But before we dive in, I've already kind of mentioned this a little bit. When we talk about joy, there's something that we have to deal with. And that's this truth, that joy is different than happiness. Many people um, think, well, I'm I'm, I'm not joyful because I'm not happy. And the reality is that joy is different than happiness because happiness is temporary. Happiness lasts just about as long as the wrapping paper does on Christmas morning and sometimes not even that long. We can, we can swing from happiness to sadness or happiness to anger very quickly. That's because happiness is based on people. Happiness is based on places. Happiness is based on things. People can change and occasionally, often, let you down. I love to say um, this when we, when we talk about that. If I haven't let you down, just hang on a second. It's coming. Right? But people let you down. Places seem more permanent, but somehow they let you down as well. See, places um, don't last either. Anyone who has tried to go back to a place and recapture a moment knows that it can't really be done. You can capture the shadow of times past, but never the essence. I told the story in the first service of how I could take you back to um, the place in the Outer Banks where I asked Kristen uh, to marry me. And it was, a special, it was a special thing because on the Outer Banks, right, you have the, if you've been there, you, you, you know you have the beach side, right, and then you have the sound side. And so back then, I didn't, I never saw the sunrise, okay? I knew it existed, but I never saw it. And so I chose that sunset would be a little bit better um, to, to ask her to marry. She'd be more alert, um, although sunrise might have been a better Anyway, um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, I decided that, we, you know, sunset, we could go out on the sound side. There was a lighthouse, and there was this dock, and, 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 and I, had, um, I, had, I had gotten a guitar and learned a song that I was going to get on my knee and, and, and play. Um, Adam Sandler, the wedding singer, the song he plays at the end of that, right? 
I just lost a lot of respect with some folks, although someone in the first service said you gained respect, so that's, that's good. All right, <laughs> win some, you lose some. Um, but, uh, but, and, and it totally gave it away because I'm not a guitar player. I know how to play two songs on guitar, that one and Blessed Be Your Name. And so like, I'm not a guitar player, but I said, hey, let's go out to the sound and play some guitar, right? Because that's something we never have done before. Um, and so I think she totally knew it was coming. And uh, go out there, get on my knee, and, and I could take you to this place and show you the dock and, and, and start playing the guitar. As I'm about one verse in of a three-verse song, right, um, this grandfather brings his three grandchildren and their entire family, it's like 10 people, out on the dock and start fishing like two feet away from me. <laughs> Not kidding. And I'm sitting here playing and singing horribly. I was just singing out in the hallway along with the worship, and Lois said, stick to preaching. Um, and, or stick to playing guitar or something like that. Um, don't quit your day job, essentially, is what she was saying, right? And, and it, was, it was terrible, and so it was all I could do to stay focused. And, 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 um, but long story short, Kristen said yes, and now we have that memory, right? We could never recreate that moment as hard as we tried and how awkward it was that I'm on my knee performing the first song I've ever performed in, in trying to ask my wife, future wife, to marry me, right? And these people standing to, I'm like, dude, did you not see this guy? Could you not hear? Like, you obviously heard, you know? Could you not, I mean, could you not wait like two minutes and then we'd be done? And anyway, it was, I've got some frustrations that apparently I need to work out with that moment. It all worked out in the end, but man, like, I saw that going a lot differently. But we can't recreate those, those places as they were truly intended. We could try to go back and we can reminisce on the memory, but you can't recreate those things. There's an, you know, there's a um, thing there. And then there's the things. Things don't create permanent happiness either. We think they might, but the reality with things is that they break, parts get lost, they wear out or just lose their luster. But just let's have a little bit of fun. I, I, I did this Wednesday as I spoke at uh, Greater Portland Christian School and did it in the first service and thought it'd be fun if I, uh, if I did it with you. I ask you the question, a little crowd participation, best Christmas gift you ever got as a kid? Anybody? Spaceship. A real? Yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, the eucaly- I got the eucalyptus. What was the second part? Didgeridoo. Oh, that's cool. I like those things. I heard a dollhouse over here. Great. Awesome. Yeah? Awesome. I heard, I heard some. We're not raising our hands, apparently. First service raised their hands really well. <laughs> You guys are just shouting it out. All right. Nintendo. Nintendo. Awesome. The original? It's a bit, yeah, man. Those are, those, that was fun. Yeah. I, all right. I hear an amen. Okay. Electric train. Electric train. All right. Awesome. Okay. Very good. Very good. We got security in here. <laughs> All right, yeah. Mexican 
Microscope. Bell helmet. Okay, awesome. Very cool. Oh, oh, okay, got it, got it. I'm on the same page. All right, one or two more. Yeah. I can tell it didn't mean a lot to you. I can tell that was, you know. Okay, good. All right. Katie, that was nice of you to get that for him last year. That was really good. All right, maybe one more. Maybe one more. Very good. No, no, no one else. No one else. Okay, right here. Nintendo 64. All right. Nintendo's better. I'm going to tell you. All right. I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Um, I, was, uh, I mentioned I spoke at Greater Portland Christian School Chapel on Wednesday. And, um, and, and man, you think it's hard to stay awake on Sunday mornings. Um, they have chapel right after lunch. And so keeping those guys awake at Greater Portland's a, a challenge on Wednesday afternoons. And so I, I decided to have a little bit of fun with them and ask them, hey, you know, what's the best Christmas gift? The, the first guy raised his hand. I think he's like a sixth grader. He stood up real happy. He said, Jesus. And so I looked at all the other students. I said, top that. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> So we had, a little bit of, we had a little bit of fun with that, right? And so, you know, we know right now that, you know, with happiness versus joy, Christmas joy doesn't come from people. It doesn't come from places. It doesn't come from things. Christmas joy comes from God in the form of the good news of Jesus, and it lasts for a lifetime. It lasts for eternity. I had a couple of those things, right, that I just, you know, I, I used to tell my parents, if I could only have this, right, I'd never ask you for another thing, you know, and, and I remember, I remember a couple things, the WWE, I got the WWE ring with the wrestlers or whatever, and then my dad saw like the week after Christmas that some, some injuries were happening as a result of that, so I think I got to play with it like once, and then it was taken away, and it was like just, just in my room as a decoration, and it was pretty... That was hard, you know. I'll never forget the morning I ran down and saw the, the gray backboard with the black rim basketball goal, brand new basketball hoop. It didn't get put up right after Christmas, and so my brother had some friends over, and they were dunking on our, on our um, other basketball goal, and they broke the rim. And so they decided, hey, we can put up Travis's rim, his Christmas present, right? And we'll just put it up there. I fought him, but mom and dad weren't home. And so, you know, my brother, who's nine years older than me, did whatever he wanted to do. And so he put it up there. It lasted 20 minutes, and they broke that rim. So I was, aw, aw. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really have some things to deal with. <laughs> should try to go talk to my counselor this week before the 25th, get some of these things out. Okay, but, uh, but we, we know, right, that, that, that happiness isn't found. And, and one, somebody said in the first service, and I thought it was really awesome, um, that the best gift they ever received was being able to see Christmas through the eyes of their kids, right? And now that's just, that's awesome. That's awesome. And um, that's a lot of fun. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, let's talk about the joy of Christmas, the Christmas presence of joy, right? And uh, we're going to start in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now I want to pause right there and just, and just pause for a second because I think, we, I think we kind of brush over something that I want to make sure that we notice. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the fear. We're going to talk about a couple of other things here. But I want you to notice something that the angel said to the shepherds. He said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. All the people. All the people. Now, I just, I just want to make sure that, that, that we grab that this morning. All the people. Okay? So all means what? All, right? So for when we, it's kind of like when we read in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, right? All of the world. There's no one that Jesus didn't come for. There's no one, and we talked about anger recently, right? And we talked about um, uh, 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 loving people, and, and, and you know, I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine um, a, a hatred so strong where we look and say, well, there's no way Jesus died for them. There's no way Jesus died for them. Jesus died for everyone. And when the angel comes and appears to those shepherds, he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, even Dolphins fans, all the people, all the people, all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. There's no one that is outside of the reach of God's grace. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, there's no one outside of the reach of God's grace. And it always strikes me that we think, we think, we think this side of heaven that, well, you know what, i got to clean myself up before I go to God. No, that's not the way God works. We come to Jesus with all of our junk and all of our baggage and all of our stuff and we just say, here we are. And He washes us clean. There is nothing you have to deal with or any of your friends have to deal with or any of the people that you rub elbows with have to deal with before they come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. I like to I liken it to, you know, we wouldn't sit in the driveway and wash our car by hand and then take it over to scrub a dub. That's we wouldn't do that. We go well, if you do, then we should talk. Okay. But you go to scrub a dub, right? Get your car washed. Um, and I love that picture. I think, we could, I think we could stop right there. Don't get your hopes up. But I think we could stop right there and say, man, that's awesome. There's a reason for joy right there. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. All the people. Let's keep reading. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Verse 15, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at, the, at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As it had been told them. So I want to talk to you about the presence of joy. The, the thing that strikes me about this passage, and we're going to talk about the shepherds, we're going to talk about who they were and all of that, but the thing that strikes me about this passage um, uh, in addition to for all the people, right, is that the shepherds were not of great stature in this time, all right? When it comes to the food chain, and again, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. When it comes to the food chain, they were pretty low in the food chain, right? But yet the angel of the Lord appears to them, and their response after the angel goes, you know, leaves them, leaves their presence, their response immediately is, let us go. Let us go. And they leave their things, they leave their responsibilities, they drop their nets, to reference another passage and an and, and, and illustration, right? They leave their things and they go, and it says they even went with haste to see. The first thing that the shepherds did after they heard about the joy of the Lord was go to be with Jesus. The first thing they did was go to be with Jesus. And we talked about two weeks ago, we kind of introduced our Christmas series talking about the presence, Christmas presence of Jesus, right? And the first thing they did in response to the joy that the angels brought to them, the message of joy that the angels brought to them was go and be with Jesus. It's the first thing they did. And there's three things that the presence of Jesus does for us when it comes to joy that I want us to talk about today. And the first one is it conquers fear. It conquers fear. Whenever we see the glory of the Lord talked about in Scripture, the response is a fear that comes over people. Why? Because the glory of the Lord was a huge, it was, it was, a, it was a blinding light, right? It was a blinding light. It was, it was, something, that, it was something that would have come, and, and, and uh, uh, some uh, scholars refer to it as an unapproachable light. No need for sun because the glory of God is so brilliant and radiates splendor. It was like a shining cloud of intolerable brightness. It was the token of the presence of the eternal God. And so if you think about some of the other places where we saw the glory of God in Scripture, where we see the glory of God in Scripture, it was at the burning bush when Moses was called to God's work. It was at Sinai when Moses received the covenant from God that would be between the Almighty and his people Israel. It was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day that guided his people through the wilderness. It was in the tabernacle and in the temple, and it shone around Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But when the glory of God shone around them, they did what each of us would have done. They fell to the ground in fear and amazement. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a good thing to fear God because we can't be saved from anything or any attacks of this world until we at least have a healthy fear, a holy respect. But I want you to notice something. The angel brought a message that overcomes fear. I bring you good news of Great joy. It says there in, the, in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, the first words that the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Rick Warren uh, wrote a book called The Purpose of Christmas. 
And I love how in, the, in that book he talks about this passage and he talks about the fear of the Lord. And he says 365 times in Scripture we see the words, fear not. One for every day of the year. Isn't that awesome? Fear not. And so this promise of joy, this presence of joy that we find in Jesus conquers fear. Conquers fear. And this glory of the Lord, right, the response would have been to tremble, to fall in fear because it was just so overwhelming. But the angel gave comfort and said, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then uh, the angel goes on to say, For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord Jesus. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I bring you good news of great joy that conquers fear. The question that we have to wrestle with is what fear are we dealing with that's bigger than the fear of the Lord in our lives? What fear do we wrestle with? What fear do we battle? What fear do we have to overcome today and conquer? What fear are we wrestling with? Which kind of leads me to my second point. Not only does the presence of Jesus, the joy of Christmas, conquer fear, but it quiets irrelevance. It quiets irrelevance. Because I think one of the biggest fears that we deal with today is irrelevance. That what I'm doing doesn't matter. Who I am isn't important. I'm not making a difference. I don't matter. Um, some, some other ways to, to put it is how easy is it to think that we are unimportant and useless how reasonable is it to conclude that we have offered little or noble value, little of noble value, nothing of noteworthy accomplishment for having lived, no glorious or heroic deed justifying our being here. Indeed, sometimes many of us, if not all of us in this room, wonder why in the world we are here at all. In our darkest moments, we question if we're worth the air we breathe, the food we eat, the space we take. I have so many conversations. I can remember one back in February sitting um, with, with a dear friend of mine who uh, is, is in IT, works with computers all day long, 40, 50, 60 hours a week in computers. And, and he was wrestling with this fact. He said, see, you, Travis, you have purpose. You have eternal value. You give people sleep for 30 to 40 minutes every week. And that's good for them. And so we beat each other up a little bit. And we were having, you know, and he was like, he's like, but you, you know what I mean? Like you, like you have purpose, you have value. And, 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 and uh, I said, well, there are many days, bro, that I, I, I doubt that. But, but, but well, where are you going with this? He said, he said, listen, I work with computers all day long. I don't do anything of eternal value. I don't do anything of purpose. I, 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 struck, I said, look, man. You're valuable. You're valuable. Do you believe God created you? Well, yeah. Do you think God creates junk? Well, no, I guess not. You guess not? 
Now, you got to remember, this guy's like twice my age, and we're sitting here having a conversation, and I'm trying to press in, and, and he also, anyway, he, he carries. And so, there's a little bit of nervousness there. He probably could have used one of your dad's leather things. <laughs> I said, you're valuable. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you knew what you meant, to, and it's just, you know, trying to instill this purpose and value, but we all wrestle with that. I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with folks that say, you know what, I just don't feel worth, worth it. I come to church, I have no value here. I go, I go home and I have no, you know, I'm struggling to put food on the table. I'm struggling to do this, I'm struggling to do that. I can't find a place of value in my life where I contribute things. And that's where this passage is so beautiful when it comes to that. I love that God chose the shepherds for this story. Because you want to talk about people struggling to find value and purpose for their life, you don't have to look much further than the shepherds. Shepherds were considered in this time nobodies. Dirty, scrungy, cold, smelly, unbathed, unimportant, unnoticed people. In their culture, they were at the bottom of the food chain, economically and socially. The religious people of this time would look down on them because they couldn't keep the Sabbath. They couldn't keep the Sabbath. They would work seven days a week. Sheep get lost and have to be taken care of. They couldn't stay ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean because sheep are dirty and sometimes diseased. Shepherds were in the fields for months at a time, far away from the rest of the community, far away from other people, far away from all of those things. It was a difficult, tough, dirty, lonely job that most people wouldn't want to do and few people even noticed. They were the servants that were invisible to the nobles. No one saw them. They were nothing. But in Luke chapter 2, we see that God saw them. Doesn't that even bring a little bit of, uh, even more meaning I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, even you guys. Like, like even you guys. You, you consider yourselves nobodies. Other people look down on you. They, they mock you. They, you know, all of these things. You're not considered in culture. But God saw them. He came. His angel came to them on a dark, cold hillside, far away from the luxuries of the Jerusalem palaces, and said, I'm bringing you good news. God gave his announcements to these shepherds. Astounding, amazing, good news for everyone, even someone like me. And when I think about the joy of Christmas, the, the, the reality is the, this thing that quiet, quiets irrelevance. I think of Hebrews chapter 12. I was sitting with Russ a few years ago and he pointed something out to me from this passage. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And Russ pointed out to me something that I had never really seen or considered in this verse. 
When you see, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, do you know the joy that was set before him? You know the joy that was set before Jesus and why he endured the cross, despising the shame? The joy that was set before Jesus was you. Me. All the people. And you know what that tells me? You know what that shows me for these shepherds and for me and for you and anyone else that might be feeling a little less than? Today, that person at work that, 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 that's feeling beat up, God really does delight in His children. God delights in you. Who for the joy set before Him. You know what that Think, think about that for just a second. That means you were worth Him dying the most excruciating death so that you could walk in freedom and spend eternity with Him and the Father. You were enough. We were enough. And I don't know about you, but when I think about it that way, I don't feel very irrelevant. I don't feel very less than. And that's joy. God really does delight. And you know, the only reason that we need to be joyful, which I would equate to more of a contentment than a happiness, contentment with whatever circumstances we're dealing with right now, if God takes joy in me, what excuse do I have to not be joyful? Who for the joy set before Him, if I'm part of that, if you're part of that, there's no excuse for us. So it conquers fear. It quiets irrelevance. God really does delight in me. And then number three, it restores wounded people. I think this is a big one for us right now in our culture, in our church culture. <clears throat> because I talk to so many people these days that are just wounded, that are hurt. One of the biggest things I've come to realize, and I found out in between services that there's a whole book that's titled this. I didn't get this from that book. But I don't know if you've ever heard the saying before, but hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. Have you ever experienced that before? Don't throw an elbow to the person next to you. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't look across the aisle and be like, uh-huh. Right there. But if we go back to the shepherds for just a second, these shepherds were not sweet and nice guys. They weren't gentlemen. They weren't noblemen. These were tough guys. Rough around the edges, as we might say. God's still <laughs> doing a work or something like that, right? We would, we would probably look at these guys and be like, yep, they're still in process, like many of us. They were men of life, and they were men of sin. These were men who needed a Savior, and they knew it. 
This word joy that we see in Luke is called chara. It's the Greek word chara. And it's associated with salvation all through the writings of Luke. Salvation from the effect of destruction. And, 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 and salvation from the effect and destruction brings real eternal joy, not just momentary happiness. And it's this joy that heals broken people. It's this joy that redeems lost souls. And it's important for us to understand that the presence of joy is greatest when the need is deepest. The good news is important because of the content of the message. When the angel spoke of the good news that today a Savior is born, he didn't speak of a king. The angel didn't speak of a mighty God. He spoke of a Savior. Good news of great joy for all the people. Today, a Savior is born. He is the Christ, the one who had been promised from the opening pages of the Bible. God had brought the joy of Christmas to those who recognized its need the most and understood the cost. And understood the cross, the cost. See, too many of us have not experienced the presence of joy because we gloss over the presence of sin. Salvation is only understood through the despair of being lost. The presence of joy comes as a child. The presence of God's Christmas joy was not forced on the shepherds. They were told of the good news and where they could come in the very presence of the message itself. It's an invitation, not a summons. It's a gift offered with the love of the Father and Savior. The God who thought and created the world in the course of a week, really six days, has come to us. And in coming to the world He created for humankind, He came as a baby, low-born, and without so much as a place to call home. Yes, in this person, this place, and with these things, that joy, not happiness, is found. My question for us this morning is as we... Have we experienced the presence of joy yet? Are we experiencing the presence of joy? See, I love Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It'll come up on the screen. And it says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Unto us a Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. And I know you may have heard this before. You may have... Um, this may be on a mug or something like that, that that you have, but I have an acrostic for joy that whenever I talk about joy, I just have to talk about because it's so counterintuitive. But I believe the pathway, the road to joy, whatever you want to call it, is Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus, others, yourself. See, and, and, and there's a big wave right now. Russ and I were talking about this this morning before the first service. You know, there's a big wave right now of, of self-care, right? Self, self-awareness. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got you to take care of yourself. And so we, we more think of it as, as maybe yaj, yoj. I don't know how you would pronounce that. You and um, others and, and Jesus, or maybe you, Jesus, then others, right? We, Ijo, um, you know, I don't, I don't uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you, get the, you get the picture, though, because, because, many, because many of us think, well, I, I, gotta, I gotta take care of me first. 
I got to take care of me first. I'm going to take this Sunday off because I just needed a me day. You know, I just need, just need, which that's, anyway, um, no judgment. I don't know about you, but whenever I place Jesus first and others above myself, like Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, make my joy complete. Don't look out for your own interests, but put the interests of others before yourselves, above yourselves. Whenever, whenever, I, whenever I have this order, whenever I place these things in this order, Jesus, others, I never have a problem with finding time for me or recognizing that I even need time. Like, or, or even thinking about that because my heart is so full. Like, I had an experience this last week because of the generosity of some of the folks in this room and the, that were in first service. We were able to do some things for Christmas that we've never been able to do before. We were able to, we were able to bless some people in ways that we, were, that we just haven't even thought of before. And it was awesome. And so as I was at Lowe's spending other people's money for the glory of God, and then and then going and, 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 and doing things uh, on Friday, which is usually my day off. Like, like yeah, I mean, my, my day off, I was going and, and, and helping somebody in need. Like, I left, and my heart was so full, and I felt so rested, and I felt so, like, energized to just, yeah. And I believe that's joy. I think man's way of joy is, hey, you got to protect yourself. You got to do these things. You got to, you know, th- then if you have time, you know, put a little, sprinkle a little Jesus in there. And that's maybe that's the problem. Maybe we we're trying to sprinkle and we need to flood some Jesus in there. And, and then, and, and, and then, you know, anytime that's left over, do something good for others. And that's not God's way to joy. I mean, Paul taught, again, Paul talked about, read Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind in Christ Jesus. Consider others more important than yourself. And then you fall somewhere in there. But don't worry about it. I had a youth leader one time um, who really loved lock-ins. Bless his heart. And we did this 24-hour famine thing where it was all about like singing and worshiping and fasting, like not eating. A lock-in's bad enough. A lock-in where you don't eat. I don't know who came up with that, but it, it was purgatory. <laughs> and we had this one youth leader that was running around at like 3 a.m. and said, hey guys, it's okay, we're going to make it. Anything for Jesus doesn't make us tired. There's bad theology. <laughs> I know where he was trying to go. Your pathway to joy and contentment. What the world tells us is a pathway to joy, contentment. It's probably not the pathway to joy, contentment. What does it look like for you to place Jesus first? Think back to Mary, Martha from two weeks ago. Mary has chosen the better thing to sit at my feet and worship and trust me that everything else is going to fall where it needs to fall. If it doesn't get done, it probably didn't need to get done anyway. If it doesn't get bought, it probably didn't need to get bought anyway. Place others as more important than yourselves. 
and just watch how full you feel. Can I invite us? Can I invite you? Like, what's the risk? What would it look like if we tried that, right? Because the biggest pushback is, well, it's not just, you know, this message isn't just for December, right? I, I get that. I get that. Like, what would it look like to live that way in March? What would it look like to live that way in June? Like, what would it look like to live that way in September? I get that. But what would it look like to try that for the next couple of weeks? Who do you know right now in your life that's pretty lonely, that's had a tough year, that's having a hard time getting excited about Christmas and all the wrappings that comes with it? What does it look like for you to go wrap your arm around them tomorrow and say, hey, I know where we can find joy in this. I know where you can find joy in this. And I'm trying to find it in the same place. So what does it look like for us to try to do that for each other together? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That joy is available for you. That person at work. Your kids that haven't talked to you in however many years. Your parents that you may struggle with or not be on speaking terms with or what have you, that joy is available for all the people. Will you pray with me?